Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. the opening music for the amazing movie The Searchers which is the subject of our perfect movie today on 91.3 WYSO it is YSO's distinct pleasure to welcome J. Todd Anderson storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers for 20 plus years and movie maker extraordinaire J. Todd thanks for coming hello also George Williman the film archivist for the Library of Congress George thanks for being here thanks for having us you guys have a little thing a little, a little something a little notion that there's such a thing in this world that is a perfect movie. It's not a ranking, the best movie of all time, but a movie that sustains its weight. Tell us exactly how you decide this. Well, first we have rules, and uh, we, we stick to these rules. So there's a lot of films that people think are good, and they like them. But you got to have some rules here if you're going to call something perfect. And our rules um, start like this. They create the world they exist in. And secondly, they, they wholly sustain that world. And regardless of changes in society, they retain their meaning and entertainment values. Let's hear a little bit from this music again. Can you picture it? Along those veins, we have, you have brought to our, our, for our perusal today, the movie, the 1956 movie, The Searchers. Now, just why is it that this is a perfect movie? It is a definitive Western of our times, and it... It has one of the greatest cowboys in, in our culture, you know, John who Wayne. never really wore a, a military uniform for real, but he did it for us on the movie screen. <laughs> and man, can that guy ride a horse in this movie. And let me tell you, that's back when actors could really ride horses. He really did, and he did all that trick riding all on his own. Uh, George, can you give us just a, just sort of like an, a synopsis of the, of the, the text of this movie? Yeah, um, basically, The Searchers starts three years after the Civil War, and uh, Ethan Edwards has come home to his brother's house uh, out in Monument Valley. And uh, his, his past is very questionable. He's wearing the remnants of a Confederate uniform. Um, there's obviously a lot of discomfort of him showing up. And before he gets too settled, uh, a lot of the villagers show up to say that the cattle of one of the other farmers have been uh, run off. So they go searching out the Indians who have no doubt taken the, these cattle. The searchers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while they are out, they realize to their horror that they have been deliberately led away by the Indians who are going to uh, commit a raid on one of the settlers. And sure enough, it turns out to be Ethan's family. Uh, and Which leads to one of the more truly suspenseful and ultimately horrifying scenes that I've ever seen in a movie. Terrifying that... scene where no Indians attack. Yeah, there's no actual violence. Right. But uh, this, this sense of, of doom and foreboding just covers the entire scene. And it's scorched earth, too, man. The Indians just burn that place down, and one person, two persons get away. Right. The, the two young girls are stolen away by the chief uh, of the Indian tribe. So uh, Ethan and... Ethan is John Wayne. Ethan is John Wayne, and Martin Pauly, who was played by Jeffrey Hunter... Who was the first... Captain James T. Kirk in Star Trek. Well, he wasn't called James T. Kirk. No, but he was. 
Right. I, re- I remember the guy who had the head sticking out later when they had right. to go back. That guy. So, <laughs> was this his film debut? No, uh, no, no. He was he was fairly well established. He was young, but he was an upcoming actor at that time. Yeah. Uh, so they they head off to to basically find these girls, and the most the rest of the movie is is their search for the the two uh, the two sisters. And one one is murdered, and uh, John Wayne kind of keeps this information to himself. So they they still their mo is to go find the Natalie Wood girl who has grown up, and this takes over a, a period of 10 years in this movie, which is true epic in Hollywood standards. And yet it's right at about an hour and a half. I mean, they really, they are so um, economical and uh, concise with the storytelling that you, you do get this. And very few close-ups in this movie. Very few close-ups. And it's just just extraordinarily beautiful with its, its panoramic uh, scenes of Monument Valley, which is supposed to be Texas, of course, in the movie. Right, but it's actually and, Utah, right? Yes. Yeah. But still absolutely gorgeous, and, and this sets the scene for this, the title, the title action, The Searchers, The Search for This Girl. And how is it that through this 10 years, how does it sustain, how is it, how does it fit that qualification that it sustains itself? Well, I mean, you know, John Wayne is searching for himself. He's still looking for himself in a big, big way, but he says he's looking for this girl. But you'll notice that he gets meaner and more ornerier as the picture goes on, and he wants to... Well, he wants to kill her, basically. Um, <laughs> a lot of his it, niece, you know? Yeah, a lot of it relates back. It's very obvious in a, in a subtle way, if you can be obvious in a subtle way, <laughs> that, um, that there was a relationship between uh, John Wayne and his... Uh, brother's wife Martha um, you there's a great scene with no dialogue where she pulls his coat out of a trunk to give to him and you see her stroke the coat very quietly uh, and they have several other quiet moments like that and and also when he returns to the house after it's been burned down the only person he calls out for is Martha mm. and it also becomes quite obvious that his main reason for wanting to dispatch Debbie is because he believes that her shame can be rectified to her dead mother by ending her life, basically. Complex family. And, and here's the thing. John Wayne is an uncompromising racist until the very end of the movie. Yes. This is not his, the John Wayne we've all known to, to love and, you know, uh, look up to. This is John Wayne at, at one of his darkest, darkest roles. Which is very quite an exception for him. So in, in many ways, this and so it was the twelfth movie that he'd made with John Ford. So this was not by any means a beginning relationship, but definitely very unique. And uh, it was. And for Ford, it was it was interesting for Ford too, because like I said, by the time he made this movie, he had four Oscars already. And he's he in was, his early sixties. Right. He was venerable. He was beloved. He had nothing. He had to quote prove. And yet he did this film. And so many of the views that he espoused in his earlier westerns are cur- turned completely on their head. Uh, I think one of the strongest ones, which we've discussed, is his view of the cavalry, yeah, they, which he they profiled have a great music quite and everything. Yeah, I mean, in like he wore uh, she wore a yellow ribbon. You know, the cavalry is the hero. In this one, they're uh, they're not heroes at all. Yeah, they're marching the uh, Indian, mostly women and children, into an internment camp, and they're saying, "Move it, move it, get gone." And they're playing this very heroic music. Yeah, and and, and the cavalry has been turned into the idiot gatekeepers of the West, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. The only main scene with the cavalry is where they are taking care of the white women who have been rescued from the, the Indian tribes whose, whose minds have slipped. 
and you see them, you know, uh, sort of, you know, cooing to these women and trying to calm them down and plying them with little bells mm-hmm. so that they don't scream. And, and, and one of the best lines in the in the movie it's it's hard to believe they're white. Which is so interesting. This was made in 1956, and this all sort of feeds back to rule number three. Regardless of the changes in society, they retain their meaning and entertainment value. These these notions of racism and uh, discrimination exist through this day. This whole we them notion, and there's several aspects of we them. And it's it's very interesting the the notion of racism throughout it because even a character uh, like Laurie, who's played by Vera Miles, who throughout the film. Is, is very gentle. I mean, she's she's harsh on Marty because she loves him, but but she's a basically good character. But at the end, when Martin is going out one more time to find Debbie, uh, she turns on him and just spews the most the most virulent, hate-filled, racist diatribe in the entire movie. More even than John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, but and she always always wants him to go, go, Marty, just go. Which means, of course, she's incredibly attracted to him, and she, she you know, he's going to come back eventually, and make the be the husband of her dreams because Festus from Marshall Dillon Gunsmoke days makes a play for her. Which, he's the actor that yes. plays her, yeah. her other bow. Yeah. yeah. So this is a complex interweaving of uh, life stories that all are bound together by the hardship of the West, but also this notion of racism and discrimination that sort of pervades and the whole movie. This was something of a of a risk for John Ford to take, wasn't it? It was, and and actually from what I have gathered from the era it it didn't pay off real well the film was not very successful in 56 it got no notice from from the industry there were no awards really there's no you know no Oscar nods or anything like that and the film actually kind of just kind of floated away for many years it was not even available but it's still here man and it's just as strong as it ever was visually and cinematically it's it's so strong it's, it still has so much meaning. 50 years well, later, when you think about what our society has been through in the 50 years, just the advancements in technology alone, not to mention the societal changes, it is astonishing that in 50 years this really does still have relevance. Yeah, and you'll, one of the, the interesting things about his characters, you'll notice when they start killing the buffaloes, John Wayne just keeps killing the buffaloes because he doesn't want any of the Comanches to have any of them to eat in the wintertime. Right, he, he wants to starve them out. out. Yeah. So he's, from that moment on, he's just propelled by blind rage to the end of the movie. And, uh, of course, at the end of the movie, he, he makes restitution, you know. Um, but it's but his real, the real irony of his, his restitution is that you know, he works so hard, he wants to, to, to complete this task, to, to catch Debbie, and, and dispatch her, but also to dispatch the, the Indian chief. And um, at the end, it's actually Marty who, after being basically forced away by Ethan again in his anger, sneaks into the Indian camp, rescues Debbie, is surprised by Scar, turns and fires on him, not knowing it's Scar, but just there's somebody behind him, immediately kills Scar after all this has gone on to the movie. So the cage match is nullified. There's right. not going to be any big, you know, so, let me tell you something, you know, right. wrestling match. So when, he, end, so when Ethan finally rides into camp, his nemesis is dead. <laughs> and all he can do is he scalps him, basically. Yeah, and you and see it, him taking the scalp, too, but they cut away real quick. They do. So, you know. That's another really notable thing about this movie. It's a very, very violent movie. Uh, like a lot when of he violence shoots the committed. Indian's eyes out so you yeah, can't see his way into the spiritual life. But none of it's life, shown. Right. It's all either implied or described um, in the sense of that the shooting the eyes out will prevent him from entering the spirit world. Absolutely amazing use of... Um, 
of, of imagery. Yeah, and imaginary dialogue. visual imagery. But then you have right before you one of the most beautiful shot movies of all time. And, and it's very nicely restored. I mean, just there's not a bad shot in the whole picture. It's It all tells story, man. Right? That's why it's a perfect film. It just tells story. And it... it perfectly sustains that story all the way through. We're speaking with J. Todd Anderson and George Willeman, uh, filmmakers and lovers of note from right here in Dayton, a little segment we called Filmically Perfect. We're talking about The Searchers, and uh, let's hear, I've got the, the Turning of the Earth uh, queued up here, where John Wayne sort of describes what it is that keeps him going. Right. Well, why don't you say it? Beaten, you know it. No. Our turning back don't mean nothing. Not in the long run. She's alive, she's safe. For a while, they'll keep her to raise as one of their own until, until she's of an age to... But do you think maybe there's a chance we still might find her? Engine will chase a thing till he thinks he's chased it enough. Then he quits. Same way when he runs. Seems like he never learns there's such a thing as a critter will just keep coming on. So we'll find him in the end, I promise you. We'll find him. Just as sure as a turning of the earth. about it that's a driven man that's that is a driven amazing. character which is something that we can all i mean definitely relate to as well so fulfilling the three uh, rules quite beautifully create the world they exist in which absolutely is achieved with this and uh, just fantastic uh just the landscape alone um wholly sustain that world there's not a moment that uh you're no, not they, there believing it. And, and the way that Ford shoots the film, because of using these wide vistas, it's almost as if they are within a large globe. Um, you see the, the, you know, you never see the end of the horizon in this. It's always... And they're always in the bowels of the beast because the rocks are just surrounding these huge rocks. And all their houses have no barns or anything. They look like uh, homoramas. They, they have rocks they're... stacked around them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They've attempted to make them civilized yeah. with a little paint. They're, and there's nothing out there. They have no wells, no nothing. It's just we're coming to the west. And, and when they move into this movie, they go from right to left almost always. And when before the war in John Ford's movies, when the Indians were, when they were fighting, you know, the Native Americans, the cavalry was moving from left to right, right, and they were chasing the Indians. Now, in this movie, the the uh, Native Americans are chasing them from left to right almost all the time. They're they're trying what to send them back to the East Coast. Yeah. This is a very cinematic picture from a, uh, the the scope of I left to right. I never considered that right, right to left would be East moving westward. And in this case, chasing them back east. Wow. Okay, you didn't recognize that the first time you saw no, it. No, this is years. This is <laughs> one that's amazing. But George and I, have, I've always thought this is one of the greatest films ever made, and this is one of the reasons because it encompasses everything cinematically. He tells stories without showing them. Yeah. They show you a story, yeah. and then right. they do it with screen direction like nobody's ever done before. Yeah. You know, except and, back to the silent time. And also, it, yeah, and also speaking of silent times, uh, because Ford, you know, had been a director since the teens, he pulls out all of his silent stops. There are certain scenes oh, in this yes. movie that have not one word of dialogue or even sound effects, but they are just incredibly evocative mm. with just music. And you are just, you're sucked into it. Yeah. 
Let's have, uh, let's listen just uh, quickly. It's a very short speech, believe it or not. Uh, Lori, as she explains or tries oh, is, to get yeah, this is yeah, Lori's this is Marty. She's incredibly attracted to Marty, you know. And, and she wants him to like stay. That, where have all the cowboys gone <laughs> by Paula Cole? This is, this is probably what inspired this. <laughs> okay. Marty. You're not going. Not this time. Crazy. It's too late. She's a woman grown now. But I gotta go, Lori. I gotta fetch her home. Fetch what home? The leavings of Comanche bucks sold time and again to the highest bidder with savage brats of her own. Lori, life. shut your mouth. Do you know what Ethan will do if he has a chance? You'll put a bullet in her brain. I tell you, Martha would want him to. Only if I'm dead. Martha, the own mother, she says Martha would want him to put a bullet for her through her brain because she's been tainted. But she's in love, man. She's in love with Marty. Doesn't sound like a very kind speech. It's passionate. <laughs> it's passionate. Where have all the cowboys gone? So she that, keeps telling him, you just go. And she gives her... She gives him her best horse, and the only thing she doesn't give her is one of those John Ford Searcher's lunchboxes that hadn't come out yet. You, know, you just you go, Marty. You just you go. You have that, don't you? Hey, speaking of which, uh, when we wrap up, we'll have a, a little extra set of treats to give out. But uh, but first, one more point as we as we wind this up, uh, something that you pointed out, we were speaking briefly earlier, there's the notion, not just the, the notion that they're moving left to right, and that has significance, but the very way that the movie starts and finishes. Yes, it's one of my favorite things about the movie is that the film after the opening credits starts from complete blackness and a doorway opens and and you as an audience member are pulled out basically into the story into the world that that John Ford has created and and then you go along through the story and when you get to the end when all is wrapped up and Debbie is rescued the families are back together and Ethan decides that he cannot be a part of this family and he ends up walking away that same you enter back through that same doorway and it closes into darkness. Yes, and he's and not. It, it makes. I mean, the, it's complete. He's the world not is comfortable complete. in that world. So he walks into the sunset. Really amazing movie, uh, by all accounts. It's uh, one of what J. Todd Anderson and George Willimon call perfect music. Uh, music. I'm a musician. Perfect movies. And uh, the music, by the way, is extraordinary in this as well. Uh, you they, can go buy this right now and in one of these really, really beautiful. Uh, yeah. Sets by the Warner Brothers is put out, and it's just spectacular. Yeah. So just on the 50th anniversary being reissued, but uh, you folks have had it on your perfect music list for quite some time. Perfect film, many list. many years. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's the way I'm geared. Yeah. It's the way I'm wired. <laughs> and I really do love the music. Let's hear the uh, the door closed music. Also, something that I had no idea: the Buddy Holly tune. Um, yes, because John Wayne always says that'll be the day, and Marty says, "I hope you die." That'll be the day. It, it's several. Yeah, it said what six or seven times throughout the movie. Yeah, I think, are they preparing a party for us? That'll be the day. <laughs> so in 1956, uh, clearly a young Bali Holly saw this movie and it had such an impression on him that he, uh, I mean, the song isn't quite about what the movie is, but that at least, that rung so where it came from. to him. Definitely where it came where from. Where it came from. Isn't that cool? Uh, J. Todd Anderson and George Williman, both uh, of great film note, right from right here in Dayton, by the way. Pretty cool thing. Filmically Perfect will be doing it up. What's that? 
Oh, oh, hey, that's right. And you're offering up something on this cowboy theme uh, special. Um, J. Todd does these storyboards for, in fact, it's been 20 plus years you've been working for the Cohen Brothers. Yeah, everything from Raising Arizona on. And uh, we, have a, we have a frame since the boys have never done a cowboy movie. They have one written up, but uh, it's called The Sons of Ben Coffee, but they've never done it. And it's um, uh, the one we're going to give away is where the dude is talking to um, the Big Lebowski. Uh, no, he's talking to Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, yeah. Oh, and the they, dude. That's where he's, uh, you know, he's asking about his language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to cuss so much. It's strangely <laughs> appropriate for the new FCC radio. And, and they all have they have cowboy hats on, so uh, you know, Sam, Sam has. It works. So, so we'll, we'll give that storyboard. We'll away. give that storyboard away to uh, caller number seven at uh, 769-199. 98. It's filmically perfect, gentlemen. What are we doing next time? Next time we're we're gonna go um, a little heavier, a little darker, yeah. and we're gonna <laughs> look at uh, a film by Victor Fleming, which people may have heard of, called The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> he directed the the Gone with the Wind, that that small movie. But we're gonna small. by popular demand, people. <laughs> it's gone. It's the. Uh, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Jay Todd Anderson, storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers, plus a filmmaker in your own right, and uh, many other things. Also, George Williman, the uh, the film archivist for the Library of Congress. Thank you so much for taking a moment. And um, we're gonna. This is the music that you hear as we draw back through the door. As the music ends, the door closes, and the searchers. One of the perfect movies, according to our filmically perfect people, right here in the studio. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for stopping by. We got caller seven. We'll win the storyboard. Maybe. We'll throw in a copy of the Searchers, um, but uh, definitely a lot of love. We also got Buddy Holly on deck. Don't move a muscle. Don't forget, watch Wizard of Oz next uh, Friday. We'll see. We'll see if we'll keep yeah, it on. You guys got to watch that movie, you know, so you can be up. Do your homework. In case you've never seen it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in case you were never a child, you just were a born adult. So check it out. Thanks again, Jay Todd, George. Thank you. Our what pleasure. a pleasure. And the Searchers. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.